p.m. live. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. And that's uh, eight minutes after eight. If you're hearing Kabila, it's because we're talking about DRC on the forum at eight this morning. Bonga uh, out in China. Uh, looking forward to this particular discussion. Thank you so much for tuning in. And of course, the Democratic Republic of Congo, the president there, Joseph Kabila's constitutional mandate expired on Monday at midnight, but without any sign uh, that uh, the president will be stepping down at the moment. Elections to choose his successor have been postponed indefinitely at this stage. So this morning we're taking a look and asking, so what is going on in the DRC? And already many comments coming through from our listeners, uh, many parallels being drawn between what is happening in the DRC and elsewhere on the continent. Many of you being very scathing about the African Union and the role that the African Union is playing or not playing. And of course also asking question about regional powers and the geopolitical situation and how this impacts on all of that. So we're going to try and traverse through all of that. And, of course, we love to hear from you as always. 34701 is our SMS line number. Twitter, Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. And the lines are open. You can call us on 0891-104-208. And Rob Byrne was also just telling us uh, during uh, the uh, traffic update there that there will be a march. Uh, so there will be a march of um, uh, DRC um uh, well, why is the word escaping me now? Citizens um, in Durban this morning. And uh, they, I'm not sure what exactly it is uh, that their demands are, but we will try. We will try and check in uh, with regard to that march happening in Durban this morning. DRC nationals marching against Kabila. So we'll come to that. But let me welcome our guest this morning, uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo ambassador to South Africa, the Honorable Bene Mpoko. Thanks so much for your time this morning. Thank you for having me, Ryan. And we also have here in our Joburg studios with me Ntate Isaac Homo, historian and Channel Africa program producer. Thanks for coming through. Thank you for having me, Sakina. And Balozi Habarizakowan. Ntate Homo, let me start with you. So, in trying to understand what is happening, what are the real issues at play in the DRC right now? Well, the real issues that play in the DRC, they're not that complicated, they're straightforward. Uh, Kabila's term has run out, but then um, according to the Constitution, it is that he's got to only have two terms of, um, well, just two terms of five years each. And uh, at the end of the term, he's no longer entitled to stand again for elections. So that time has run out, but then he's staying on. Uh, citing reasons of uh, the country not being ready for for elections. But again, with the same constitution, uh, Article 70, as I'm told, as it said, says that uh, the president, in the case where there's no elected president, uh, the president, the incumbent will stay in power until a, a president is elected. Yeah. So there is that provision which actually sort of allows him to stay in power until a president is elected. Now, what is happening is this, that um, the international media and people in the DRC saying that uh, Kabila wants to change the constitution to go in for a third term, and uh, also that uh, he wants to change the co- uh, other things. But then Kabila said expressly that he is not going to change the constitution and is going to stick to the constitution. He's going to make sure that there's an election which is going to take place, and there he's going to hand over power to an elected president. 
So that's the situation where the opposition has come up, seen that the man has got to go. But then there are talks which are sponsored by uh, the Catholic Church and the opposition and the government are getting together. Those talks were called for by the government. And uh, the government says that uh, the opposition and uh, the government itself should sit down to come and, 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 and structure a transition phase on how they're going to actually get work together until elections are held. Mm. It's funny to say, sorry, just before I finish, it's funny to say that uh, I think in October, some time ago, Kabila had tried to call the opposition to come and sit and discuss the dilemma that the country was having over the Electoral Commission and its ability to hold elections. But uh, the opposition actually refused to come together. And that's when they first called uh, the demonstrations in the first order. But now the elections are taking, I mean, the talks are taking place under the Roman Catholic Church. But then again, there's mass action in the streets. It, it, it then, you know, creates a sort of perception that one see, uh, uh, sees people putting out there that uh, it seems as though Kabila wants to cling on to power, is not willing to vacate office at this point. Because if, as you say, um, the talks were called in October, why only in October when there was a clear knowledge fact, that... Yeah, that was the last time when the talks were called. And in October is when the riots started. But before then, I think from last year, there were talks which were being called. Now, uh, the DLC has had a lot of problems. Basically, Kabila is citing that uh, the country has got no money. And not only the, uh, the Kabila, the government, the Electoral Commission, which has got opposition members within the commission. It's not a commission which is a government held. There are members of the opposition, the main opposition to Chikedi's parties that are represented and others. And for a long time, the head of the commission was a Roman Catholic friar. Yeah? Uh, what was it? Uh, Malumalu. Yeah, the late Malumalu. Uh, and they had just said and said that basically there are problems. And one of the problems, it is um, the, uh, the role, electoral role, is outdated. The election role, electoral role is based upon census which took place way back during Mabuto's time. And it's estimated that about 10 million youngsters who are not on the role. And this was a demand of the opposition. Mm. So there is a need to that role to be updated. But that role can only be updated through a census. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, that's the thing. But now the money for the census they've not got, and the Kabila actually the government says that the government is broke. They've been fighting a very serious war for the last four years against the M23 and other rebels who have been sponsored by the regional some regional bodies who remain unknown. So now that is the dilemma of the government. Very interesting. Um, Ambassador Mpoko, we spoke to um, a representative of um, Human Rights Watch, I think it was on Monday, who said uh, and, and quoted a Bloomberg article talking about the personal wealth amassed by uh, President Kabila and his family. And, and now we hear that the country is cash-strapped because of fighting some expensive war. So uh, tell us, what's your view on all of that? Well, I mean to say that... Um Oh, sorry, 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 Ambassador. <laughs> Ambassador. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry, some money, man. <laughs> oh, am I allowed to speak now? Yes, please. <laughs> no, um, I would like to thank uh, your guest because he has said a few things that are correct, although uh, I will be able to correct a few issues. The fundamental issue is this. Congo got its independence in 1960. Patrice Lumumba was democratically elected prime minister. 
He was allowed to run the country only for three months, and he was killed. Not by the Congolese, as you know. Today, people are teaching us human rights. I would like anybody who is trying to teach us the merit of human rights to show us uh, Lumumba's grave. Okay? If those people really, really want to be consistent and tell us about human rights, the only question Congolese people will ask is, where is Lumumba's grave? He was not buried, and we know the history. I'm saying that to say that Congo was born out of democracy. By killing Lumumba, our young democracy was destroyed. And then came Mobutu, who was imposed upon us for 32 years as a dictator. For the first time since 1960, President Kabila organized elections in 2006 and also in 2011. He was the first time that I voted as an adult, 2006. Now, he must be credited for trying to bring peace. The issue in the Congo uh, uh, is peace and stability and development. That's the main issue. Peace and stability and development. Because Congo is one of the wealthiest countries in the world. But when you look at the Congolese people, they're impoverished. How do you reconcile that? How we do as you Africans, We as a subject, we as a... Afri- we should be looking at those fundamental issues, okay? Those are fundamental, our right to develop, our right to be secure, and so forth. Now, so, 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 so why Congo's is the Congolese public... plundered, to come to your question of resources, mm-hmm. Congo resources have been plundered since 1884, since the Berlin Conference. The Congo resources are not benefiting the Congolese since day one, my dear friend. Since 1884, Congo didn't belong to us. In the Berlin Conference, they came up with a legal act declaring Congo a free state. Congo was free state. Berlin Conference was not convened to divide Africa. It was convened to talk about Congo. Because the explorers like Stanley Livingstone and those, Marco Polo, they found that the Congo was very rich. Therefore, they, not one single power should own Congo. It should be shared. So that's why they created Congo in the free state. And they created the association of free state and they gave it to the King Leopold or King Leopold of Belgium to manage it on their behalf. It started from there. We had to look at our history to see, to understand what's going on. You must dig into the history of the continent of the country. Now, uh, fast forward. We got independence. Lumumba had the, the courage to say that Congo must be Congo is a sovereign state. We suffered a lot. We want freedom. We want independence so we can develop. He was killed. Mobutu was moved from power after 32 years. When he started saying Congo is sovereign state, this, 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 he was killed. He was removed from power. Laurent Kabila came. He was killed. That's a history. Those are facts that we all should be reminded of. So when young president Joseph Kabila came, in 2001, the first thing you wanted is to bring peace and stability because we cannot develop and, uh, 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 without peace and stability in the Congo. So he brought people, you, uh, and thanks to South Africa, we were able to convene uh, the inter-Congolese dialogue in some city, which produced peace, and then we have a government of national unity. Again, President Kabila said, we are going to have a transition government, at the end of which we must have elections.
That's why we have elections in 2006. They were very difficult, I'm telling you, because Congo is big. It's the size of Western Europe without infrastructure. And I was involved in setting up the process for the election in 2006. So I know what I'm talking about. South Africa, again, helped us to transport tons and tons of ballot votes to Congo and distribute them to villages and so forth. It was try and error because we never had experience with elections before. Now, after those two elections, then the government decided, next time, let's do it right. Because we have learned the two elections were not perfect. Let's make sure we have peaceful, credible elections. Mm-hmm. And to do that, as your guest was saying, we need a census to find out how many voters are there in the Congo. Okay? So some kind of, some kind of estimates were made in 2005. Today, we're saying... We don't know how many voters are in Congo. There are about 14 million of them. We are not sure. So let's do a census. Let's update the voter register so that even the young people, they can vote. Even the Congolese and the diaspora can vote. So, let's, so, so let's why hasn't it been done? Right why hasn't it been done yet? Because it Man, was already you identified. Let me finish, I'll tell you why. First of all, logistically, it, it was a nightmare. Those people in the opposition, they were with us in the government, as your speaker was saying. All of them were asking the government. Those issues were being discussed through the Electoral Independent Commission. In, in the South Africa, in the United States, the president doesn't have organized elections. It didn't be the Constitution called for Independent Electoral Commission to organize elections. Therefore, in the Congo, within the Independent Electoral Commission, everybody representative. Opposition, civil society, religion, everybody's there. And those issues were being discussed entirely by everybody, including those who are calling themselves the opposition today. And it was, it was determined by all of them that it's impossible to have elections this year. Only when some of them were no, no longer part of the government that they started going into opposition saying, Kabila must step down. Kabila wants to change the constitution. Kabila wants to do this. Because they were no longer in the government. That's all. But constitutionally, has his term not ended? The elections themselves and to vote the registration, to correct everything and so forth and so on, do the census, it was going to cost us about $1 billion. Congolese budget is less than 10, 10, $10 billion at that time. So the international committee said, we will come in with with 700 million, and you, the Congolese government, come up with 300 million. So we have 1 billion to go ahead. As we speak, Congolese government has dispersed 200, uh, uh, 200 million out of the 300 international community as we speak. And those are facts. That I'm, I'm sure they're listening to me. They disperse zero. They dispersed zero as we speak, out of the 700 million they promised. Okay? So we say, okay, we'll do it on our own. If we have to do it, it's going to take time. We cannot just produce one billion now, especially now that our budget has been cut into a half. Our budget is only four, between four and five billion dollars. So we cannot come with one billion just for the elections because the, 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 the prices already material gone down, so we're not generating enough revenues. So everybody, including those people in opposition, agree that there's no way we can disperse one billion. There is no way we can have elections now. But it's important we have a census. We update our voter registration so we can have a credible. credible. You didn't hear that 
opposition of uh, before this year. They started this language when uh, uh, they, they, they were no longer part of the government. I will not uh, uh, name people here when they started this thing uh, of of uh, of uh, uh, Kabila must step down. Kabila has must be credited for introducing democracy in Congo wow. and organizing two elections. So now, when we have in October, the president says, "Okay." My term is coming to an end. What do we do? We don't have the money. We don't have the facility. We have been trying to organize elections. It has not been possible. What do we do? They came to an agreement that now the Independent Electoral Commission said, I can only have elections in the April 2018. And they gave all, all the reasons why. And everybody agreed. Uh, those who were uh, in that dialogue. But So I'm saying... In their dialogue, the government participated, and some members of the opposition participated. But so it was would a, it, a portion of the opposition stayed out of that first dialogue. So would it so be fair the then? The president said, okay, let's continue talking. I would like the Catholic Church to bring out the people who don't agree with us, to join the dialogue so we can all find solution. We can all find a way out. So that's where we are today. So that's we are addressing we are. that issue. The Catholic Church. Yeah. Ambassador Mpoko, we are addressing the issue of that electoral role and all the problems around it now. Does that then suggest that there was no real will to deal with that problem uh, when things were good, before it became an urgent matter as it is right now? No, as I'm saying that as soon as we finished the elections in 2011, those issues were raised in the parliament. Congolese are very smart people. We, are, we, are, we, are, we, are, we have to credit Congolese. They are not stupid people. They, we have a very clever people, uh, well-educated people. So who what does that suggest? Who, who are, are the government? Who have been discussing those issues since 2001, after the second, the, the second election? We said we had to start preparing the next election. Uh, your guest mentioned Abim uh, 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 Malumalu, who was a Catholic priest. He was the head of the Electoral Commission, and he raised those issues then. It was not only because international community paying attention now. It sounds like we waited until now to discuss it. We've been discussing in 2012, 2013, 2015, and so forth. We will we, we not just wake well, up today and say, we got problems. It's shocking, it's shocking then that it hasn't even. been resolved, because how long does it take to sort out these particular matters? How long Man, does it take I'm to do the I'm saying we don't have census? one billion. What are we going to do? Well, we abandon. We said it's our country. It's our election process. We're going to take responsibility for it. We're going to do it on our own. Because up to so now... if the Congo doesn't have that billion dollars in the foreseeable future, does this mean that the status quo will remain? No, I just informed you that taking everything into account, including budget projection, the resources we have, it has been agreed that we can have credible elections in April 2018. I just told you that. So where did the money you know, come from now? So to save the life of the country, to organize credible elections, if it takes 16 months additional, it's not the end of the world. Right it's here. not the end of the it world. People end are the dying. World today. It will be end of Congo today. If a President Kabila says, I'm stepping down, 
and anybody can take over. That's the, that's the end of Congo as we know it. Okay, let's the hear Congo from the listeners. Let's hear from the listeners. 0891-104-208. Ambassador Mpoko saying it's not the end of the world. 18 months, people can wait for 18 months. Uh, it would be the end of the world if Kabila stepped down now. Uh, Donna Kin and Joburg, what do you believe? Hello, Madam SK. Thank you for giving the to speak about this. To start, I would say the ambassador should be ashamed, first of all, to talk about a big country like a Congo missing one billion dollars. You're starting by saying the Congo outreached the Congress. Five years. Five years to organize the election, and they come up there telling us that Congo is missing one billion to organize the election. Definitely there is a willingness to stay in power. So there is no such, they just don't want to stay. That's one point. Now, the present Kabila should be accredited for organizing the, the election or the past uh, two mandate he did. That's one thing. But we're coming to a point where they agreed that the only way to stop war from happening in Congo over and over, they had the, the Sun City Agreement. Now it's coming up at the end of his mandate. It's simple. You must leave. First of all, Talking from 2011, after the election, when everybody said there was a problem, he must come, they should talk. What was the response from the government? What should they come and talk about because they've won the election? Which was, everybody knew that the election was not well organized. Now, they see they're arriving at the end of the mandate, they want to talk. And besides that, they didn't want to talk. They were pushed to talk when they saw the things are not working nicely. So they shouldn't come up and tell us about money. It's about respecting what was agreed on. All right. Uh, that's, Donna Ken, I'm going to have to stop you there. Uh, we need to go to a news break. Uh, when we come back, we'll continue taking the calls. Lorraine, everybody else. We're talking the DRC this morning, and uh, the lines are open on 891 We have Ambassador, uh, the DRC's Ambassador to South Africa, uh, Mr. Mpoko, as well as Mr. Isakomo with us this morning. Uh, Nomsam Luli standing by with the latest news headlines. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. And thank you so much for tuning into the Forum at 8 this morning. We're talking about the Democratic Republic of Congo and the current situation there where uh, the President Joseph Kabila's constitutional mandate expired on Monday at midnight. So what is going to happen there now? The lines are open 891 We are speaking to the DRC's ambassador to South Africa, Mr. Bene Mpoko, and uh, he was explaining to us from his point of view exactly why the situation has come come to what it is and of course uh, just before we went to the news break making the point that if Kabila steps down that would be the end of the DRC and I and I still want to come back to that particular point because I don't understand that um, also the fact that if you say ambassador that uh, you know Kabila if Kabila steps down that's the end of the DRC that means it's a one-man show. You just told us that Kabila, that, that, that the people of the DRC are so intelligent. They are so smart. So are you telling me then that there's nobody that can take over from Kabila? Nobody? There can't be an interim setup in order to move towards the next election? I'm saying the Constitution is clear, as your guest was saying. The, if it, 
President Kabila stepped down. What I'm saying is that that interim mechanism will come how? What will be the basis for it? How do you organize it? How do you appoint an interim person? Who is going to appoint that person? Because if he steps down, what I'm saying is there will be a vacuum at the head, at the helm of the state. Therefore, it will be one, uh, 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 it will be uh, anybody's game. Anybody can take over at that point. Or 80 million Congolese say, I also can, I, I also can be president. Surely it would be a negotiated agreement. Organize that the interim. I don't know, because stepping down means it's uh, free for all. Why does it mean free for all? No, but but why would it disintegrate? That's why the smart Congolese lawyers, everybody agreed, let's take... Which smart Congolese lawyers? Because if those lawyers are so smart, why couldn't they come up with a plan that got everybody around a table to make sure that, number one, one this situation does not arise? Listen to me. You can undermine everything about Congo, but the Congolese people are very intelligent. Okay, so what we're doing You keep now telling us that, Ambassador. Yeah. You keep telling us that, and nobody's disputing it. I'm sure all Africans have very intelligent people. All countries do. But why didn't then they prevent this particular situation? And why is it that it is only under Kabila as president that the Congo can continue? There has been no transfer of power uh, by elections in our country, if we want to do it in the first time, for the first time, and we want to do it correctly. I'm saying Lumumba was killed. Mobutu was imposed upon us for 32 years. You would know the history of Congo. That's, those are facts. The only president now is trying to organize elections should have Kabila since 1960. So we are saying we, are, we have come to an impasse. Let's do it correctly. There was an agreement. There was a big Congolese got together on the 18th of October. They came with an agreement. What I'm telling you now is an agreement between the majority people in the government and the opposition that participated in the dialogue. They already want to agree that it, it would take us 16 months to organize credible and peaceful elections. There was an agreement on the table, and it was mediated by the African Union. So you're saying we African Union started who, have, who uh, supported it, uh, and uh, Mr. Kojo, the former prime minister of Togo, the former head of uh, AU, all of them don't know what they were doing? Well, I don't know. I don't know because the reality of the situation is right now that if the constitutional mandate of a president expires and uh, there seems to be an impression created that he is clinging on to power, people take to the streets of Kinshasa that there is something wrong, something is amiss. But there's also a lot of talk about corruption, Ambassador. And you yourself have been reported to have amassed quite a bit of wealth. How do you respond to that? Man, I am a banker. I was vice president of Citibank. I was vice president of Chase Manhattan Bank. I worked for the World Bank. I came to South Africa in 95 to set... Uh, I work for the United Nations. I came to South Africa in January 95 to establish UN system here. I have a career, okay? I became ambassador because I wanted to help my country. How long have you been the ambassador? uh, Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm a career person. Maybe you don't know my background. I'm not a wealthy person, but I have a very, very uh, 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 good career as being uh, uh, one of the top bankers, African bankers, bankers in the world during my time.
Okay? I'm in the position not to make money. I'm here to help my country because I don't need this job. I already spent my career. I have retired twice from the banking and from the UN. How long have you been okay, the ambassador, Mr. Mpoko? If you, don't, if you don't know, because you're accusing me of being wealthy, I'm not wealthy. But I'm I sure you've a, seen a those day. write-ups. But how long have you been the ambassador? Well, I've been ambassador since 2001. You know this. How does ambassador make money? I make money from a salary. That's all. There's no other source of income. But doesn't that speak yeah, directly to the, company, the issue at hand? Have, uh, an ambassador doesn't run a state company. Ambassador doesn't run the, uh, the minister of finance. Ambassador... You know, so an ambassador cannot engage into corruption from what? From visas? From what? Uh, you know, an ambassador not talking no about that. But if you've been the ambassador since two thousand and one, does that not speak to exactly the problem of a relinquishing of power and handing over power to others and having those no, changes effected? No, that's a attack to me, and you need to. It's take a question, that ambassador. It's an. It's my, a question. My, my my dear friend, maybe you don't know how diplomacy works. When I was with the World Bank in Washington, there was an ambassador from Russia, the Brodin, who was there because he became the dean of the diplomatic corps. Russia let him there until he cannot work anymore. They are, they are career ambassadors, they are political appointees. It depends on what you get from the country. Since I've been ambassador here, I have managed to bring all South African companies, especially my company, to Congo to invest. I have been able to take the Bodacom, the Rangold, and all those people to invest in Congo. Okay? I have established, we established relationship, good relationship between Congo and South Africa. South Africa is one of the most uh, important partners. That's why I was able to mobilize South Africa to help us with the two elections. Okay? The, all right. the ballot papers were printed in South Africa. So I have done what an ambassador expected to do. Uh, I can step down tomorrow, you know, uh, I, I don't need a job to survive because I have a very illustrious, very successful career. Yeah, I'm capable of, of producing results, and I have produced results. Right. If you personally don't want me in South Africa, fine. If South Africa doesn't need me here, I'll, I'll, I'll go home. My personal feeling counts for absolutely nothing, Ambassador. But let's take some calls. 891 Dr. Mbuli in Mahikeng, good morning. Morning, Sakina. Welcome. Uh, thank you. I, I just want to, 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 to come in, in this debate and uh, give my thoughts. Uh, Sakina, what we are living in Congo, we are as people of Congo living in fear because we have been hijacked by mainly uh, two extremist power. The, the first one is Kabila. You know, Kabila has already tested by four times how to stay in power uh, how to stay in power using force. And I, I'll, I'll go back to, to the history so you can understand that. You know, after some city in a uh, negotiation in, uh, in South Africa, that, that was back in 2001, uh, Kabila managed to stay as the, the, the president of Congo, and he managed to put around him four vice presidents. And, you know, uh, that, that was the first time he, he stayed in power, using force, you know, and using corruption. Now, the second uh, time was in 2006. In 2006, after uh, election, you know, Demba was uh, 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 the the other candidate, and we all know how that election uh, ended up, because uh, they end up, uh, you know, uh, firing each other in in Kinshasa because of contestation around the, the, the results. 
So that was the second time Kabila was able to stay in power using force, using corruption. And he managed to overthrow uh, Demba away, and now we know Demba is in prison. The, the, the third time was in, in 2001, and that happened when he, he, he was against Inochisekedi. You know, and so Kabila uh, has managed to, to, to hijack that election and to stay in power in the same way, using corruption, uh, fraud, and, you know, taking election in his side. So that was three times that Kabila has managed to stay in power. Now, what he's doing currently, you know, he, he, he has tried to, to, to change the constitution in order to stay in power forever. That was in January 2015 where many people were killed. And, you know, we discovered just a week after that there were uh, uh, almost 350 people dead uh, around in Kinshasa, what we call Maluku. So in Maluku, we have 350 dead bodies found in a, in a mass grave. Okay. All right, and got you there, Dr. Mwuli, and I'm going to ask everybody else, let's get to the point so we can answer some questions if you do have any, but uh, you can also make your comments. Uh. To you, Sakina, and your guests, and to the listeners on SAFN, thanks for taking my call. Sakina, you know when um, the AU position was being touted and South Africa forwarded Nkosazani, Zamini's name, and she got the position. I thought, well, this might be a change for Africa, you know, to have a, a female sitting in such a high position. But the first thing that came to mind, and I'm being honest here, was Sarafina. But, you know, I thought, let's give her the benefit of the doubt. And we hear continuously how well she's done at the African Union. But please, can somebody tell me exactly what it is that she's done to change the way things happen in Africa? Because since we've had an endless number of elections that are unfair, that are biased, that have been contested, And we still tout the African Union as this organization for Africans, which is what most of us Africans want anyway. But we want bodies that are going to work, that are going to make a difference. And I know we often speak about sovereignty as a law of the land that decides which way the government goes. But I think if the African Union had to take a decision to draw into the Constitution that if a president's term is for five years, then it should be for five years. Otherwise... And this is why we have this issue of migrants flocking from one country to the next, the instability, the costs, you know, the breakup of families. And I have many Congolese friends who keep saying to me, even those I fellowship with, but courtesy of them I have my nails looking beautifully because I'm streetwise and I go to the workshop to have my nails done. And they tell me how they would love to go home, but because of what's going on in their country, they cannot do. Now, what I'm proposing for the AU is if they revise their constitution and if a president's supposed to sit for five years, then that should be it. That would change so much with the way we do things in Africa. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lorraine. Peter, you also in Durban. Good morning. Good morning, Sakina. Welcome, Peter. Uh, thank you very much, Sakina, for allowing me to uh, have some uh, time to express my views uh, concerning the situation currently in my country, the Democratic Republic of Congo. As one of the uh, Congolese guys intervened earlier on, I'm going to say the same to the ambassador that he should be ashamed of himself to uh, say what 
ever mentioned about the country. We don't want to go back to the history, what happened since uh, Belgium came into the Congo. We want to see the situation currently as it is in the country. So we can all see and agree that Joseph Kabila didn't want the elections be organized in 2016 in the country. Because if you see what is happening now in the streets of Kinshasa, in Lugumbashi, in Goma, you have soldiers coming from outside the Democratic Republic of Congo, like from Sudan, who have been paid 2,500 U.S. dollars a week, while the Congolese soldiers have been paid only 40 or 50 U.S. dollars a month. So those soldiers have intentionally been uh, deployed in, 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 the, in uh, the capital and wherever in the country to prevent the population from marching. So why should you as a president who loves your country without organizing the elections have such an imposing military presence throughout your own country? Okay. Are we fighting against who? Okay. Because these population, civilians, they do not have guns. They have no bullet to shoot against Kabila. They wanted pacifically to, to, to march and to tell Jesus Kabila, you failed to organize the elections, you have to step down and allow us to have other people to rule over the country. So if Joseph Kabila was a young man, uh, smart, who wanted the country to be peace uh, and go through the elections. Why is he doing what he is doing now, currently in the country? Okay, thanks, Peter in Durban. Kasitwe uh, in Cape Town, good morning. Uh, good morning, Sakina. Good morning to, to, to your listeners. And good morning to the ambassador and, and, and the, the other person on the panel. Look, Sakina, first I want to thank you because you're doing such a great job. We really appreciate and we love you. We really appreciate what you, you, you do. Look, uh, it, it's painful to hear what, uh, to see the old situation in the DRC. And I'm listening to the, to the ambassador. And uh, when the ambassador is talking about Congolese people, I'm from the Congo actually, and he said Congolese people are very smart people, are intelligent people. It's true, yes. We, we got degrees, we got masters. But when an intelligent person cannot find a solution to the problems, I think all those degrees doesn't mean anything. And again, I think we, 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 we're chasing the wrong person. It's true, uh, Kabila is... Uh, He's a president. He did what 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 he could. He, he, he tried his best. But then again, his terms is it, it's handing now. I think it's the best way to you know to, to 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 try and move forward as young people. But the thing is, the DRC is a country that has been hijacked. We're talking about Kabila. We're talking about Museveni. We're talking about all the presidents across Africa, especially the French-speaking countries. They, I think, they, they, they must. We must try to go back and dialogue with the international community, with the Belgium, with the France and, and the Americans. I think those French colony people, uh, French colony uh, countries must go back and renegotiate their independence. I think that's the bottom line. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kasitwe in Cape Town. Um, Sibian in Johannesburg, good morning. <laughs> morning. My name is Fabian uh, Matamba Kalombo. I, I want to 
correct few things that ambassador has spoken there. Actually, I can't even call him an ambassador because he is not ambassador anymore. He cannot be an ambassador because he is so-called the president who has named him. His mandate has expired since 19th of December at midnight. So in which power is he being called ambassador? We have to call him Mr. Bukoko or whatever. So he cannot tell us that Mobutu was killed because he started saying that uh, uh, Congo is a sovereign country. No, Mobutu was killed because the Western didn't find their interest in Mobutu anymore. Secondly, he said Lumumba was killed because Lumumba uh, spoke about Congo must be independent, what, what. No, no. Lumumba was killed out of his own stupidity because everyone today can call Lumumba as a hero. Lumumba never been our hero. If Lumumba was a hero, we couldn't have found ourselves in this country. We are in this country because of Lumumba. Lumumba refused to hear what people were saying, suggesting him that white people must be in power for long time to train us. Because we were not trained to lead the country. Lumumba refused. He said he must have an independence now and everyone must go. Say him apply to Mugabe. Uh, Tony Blair, go to your England and leave my Zimbabwe. And he is telling us that Laurent de Kabila was killed because Laurent de Kabila spoke about uh, Congo being independent. No, Laurent de Jire was killed because he didn't, uh, 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 he didn't uh, respect the... the, 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 the how do we call this? He didn't respect the, the agreement he had with the Rwandan people. Because I was in Congo when Mobutu was chased from power. We did only see the Rwandan soldiers, young people. We were calling them Kadogo. Every Congolese knows that story. It's okay. All, when, when, they brought, when they brought Kabila in power through the Rwandan people, they agreed with him that they should take one, two, three. And when Kabila came in power, he changed. That's why he was shot in his office until today we don't know who killed him. So he mustn't come there, tell us stories about how smart or how powerful, how career he has. Okay, that was a very beautiful question, Sakina, you asked him. For how long has he been an ambassador? I studied political sciences myself today. I'm a fashion designer. Why? Because our country never allowed us to do what we, we studied for. He's been an ambassador. It's like a one-game show and he's telling us if Kabila steps down, it will be the end of DRC. How long has he been an ambassador? Okay. Thank you so much, Sabian and Joburg. Sipo in Tuane, good morning. Good morning, Sakina and Tioke. Sakina, electoral process is very strategic. I've been to Congo in the two elections. The issue that has been raised by the ambassador to say logistics, that is that is not correct, Sakina. Mm-hmm. They know that electoral cycle planning, when the election ends in 2011, you plan already for 20. 16. So they have already been passed by the events, and hence you are having unrest. And I can assure you, Sakina, there have been many frameworks under SADC, frameworks under AU, UN, including South Africa being monitoring. But, Sakina, we have failed Congolese, if I can be honest with you. We have failed them in the sense that we have been only been happy to be traveling, sit, people sitting in meetings, talking about peace, when peace starts in the community level. The role of the military and the police in Congo Sakina has not transformed. That is one challenge. Electoral Commission Sakina, it is not as well ethical, professional. I can assure you, Sakina, those commissioners, they get training with UNISA every year. But it seems that they are not learning. 
seems that they are not unlearning so that they may relearn. Because what has happened in, in Congress Akina now, it is the issue of the rule of law and the electoral fraud. Because you cannot go for the third term that you are extending. It's only the South Sudan, Sakina, can say you it was an exception due to the conflict. Thank you so much. That's advocate uh, Sipo Mantula, uh, who has been on observer missions across the continent. Uh, let me start with you, Ntate Homo, um, maybe by uh, touching firstly on uh, the role of the AU, because many of our listeners are very scathing, even on the other platforms, about the role of the AU. Well, I'll come to the role of the AU, but there's one thing that I'd like to talk about the Congo. We've got a joke saying that if you've got one Congo man, you've got one party. If you've got two Congo men, you've got two parties. If you've got three Congo men, you've got three parties. Um, they've got a lot of opinions, and these are diverse opinions. With the Congo elections, you find that uh, they've got a parliament, I think, of about 500 seats. But when it comes to election, you've got over, poof, three to 5,000 people fighting for those seats. Uh, but the political parties, you've got over 100 and something political parties. So basically, the whole country is fractured. There is no... Uh, sort of unit and that is reflected in all things like talks or whatever that is there that's something that people have got to take in mind but coming to your question about the role of the AU well the role of the AU in the Congo uh, I mean to say that uh, the elections basically in the Congo are not the major main event um, the elections in the Congo it was about uh, the secondary or even a tertiary event the main event in the Congo where the AU was supposed to have been played a very important part was actually to have brought the rebellion in eastern Congo to, to, to a close. And I think the AU failed the Congo and also Sadak failed the Congo. The M23 basically it is a force which was uh, the RCD Goma force which after the Sun City talks that force was supposed to have been united yeah, into the Congolese army. But in the 2006 elections, that party, which was very vociferous at, the, at, at, at Sun City, and they are the ones who were actually dragging the whole meeting, they hardly even managed 1% of the vote. Now, they saw that the RCD Goma saw that they were dead in the political arena, and the only option of actually keeping themselves alive was to keep open the military option. Now, that's where the AU failed, that's where the UN failed, that's where Sadak failed. I mean, Sadak should have come up very, very strongly to do what they did uh, last year when they had the United Nations, um, the Security Council okayed uh, intervention force. That was supposed to have been done in 2006. That would have released a lot of funds and development to the Congo. Congo is not developed. Those wars in the Congo, they are costing over a million U.S. dollars a day. That's one thing people do not know. Over, yeah? A small war in Africa costs over a million dollars a day. Now, with that, you cannot actually sort of say that with that, when you come to plan your budget, you prioritize. And unfortunately, that's where the AU sort of actually failed the Congo. Mm. And, and just before I get uh, the ambassador's closing remarks there, Peter asked the question, who is Kabila fighting? I don't know if Kabila is fighting. I'm going to say, who are fighting Kabila? That's the question to ask. Ambassador? Yes, ma'am. Um, first of all, I would like to remind my compatriots that uh, we cannot brush up history. You, they know very well that you're product of your history. You're Congolese because Congo has an history. 
Your South Africa, South African history. If you are Brazilian, you have a different personality because history of their country. So you cannot say history does not matter. History is very important because we are product of that history. Okay. Uh, uh, your last speaker is right. Uh, Congo has not hundred parties. Congo has five hundred twenty-seven registered political parties. Okay. I don't know any other country in the world that has more parties than Congo. Five hundred twenty-seven, and trying to reconcile all those with their particular interests, their viewpoints, and so forth. It's a, it's an enormous task, and. The Independent Electoral Commission had to go through uh, a very tedious process to reconcile the viewpoints. So we did reach an agreement in October 18. An agreement is on the table. The Congolese agreed. So people should respect the opinion of the Congolese. The majority, the opposition, were there. So why can't we, for once, respect what Congolese people want? Because if you are elected, the Congolese elected those people to be in the parliament. So the majority is there, elected by the Congolese. So when they come up with these decisions, I don't know why the so-called international community for once cannot respect what the Congolese are doing. Um, people are saying that um, Congo is a big country. That's not because you're big. You're not necessarily rich. Because you weigh 300 pounds, it doesn't mean you're rich and somebody who weighs uh, 50 pounds. I, I, I'm, this, I'm saying that to say that I explain why Congo, a rich country, with the poor people. I explained it earlier. Uh, maybe people were not listening. And we are trying to get it to a point where the Congolese wealth would benefit the Congolese and not the outside world. Up to now, you, I'm talking for my cell phone. Within the cell phone, there is a, 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 an ingredient called cult, even your own cell phone. Do you know Congo has 80% deposits of coltan? All of it is produced where Congo has a turmoil in the eastern Congo, around Goma area, in the Kivu. Coltan comes from there, but the Congolese people in Goma are not rich. But yet, the satellite industry, the cell phone industry, uses Congo resources called coltan, very unique resource. Okay? Those are most fundamental issues, my dear uh, compatriots. Those are fundamental issues. Uh, and how all of you, I'm, I'm product of the diaspora. I never really worked in Congo except when I was sent there to set up a city bank in Kinshasa for three and a half years. I, I'm a product of diaspora. I also was overseas. I worked overseas all my life. We should all be back in Congo and, and working there. But I could not have pursued the career I have of international banking and so forth if I were in the Congo. But Congo should be in the position to offer us those opportunities. Our children, our grandchildren, they should feel that we need to be in the Congo because there we will develop, we will pursue a career, and so forth and so on. Those are the fundamental issues we should be concentrating on. Well, we're going to have to leave it there because we are unfortunately out of time. Thank you so much for your time this morning, um, Ambassador, uh, DRC Ambassador to South Africa, Mr. Bene uh, Mpoko, and also to Ntate Isa Komo, historian and Channel Africa program producer. And thanks for your participation this morning. As usual, you'll make up your mind for yourself. It is now time for the latest news with Nomsa Mluli.